Welcome to the Andy Hicks Podcast, the one with Tim Clark. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome wherever you're listening, whatever you're up to today. Um, I'm delighted to be here with Tim Clark. Tim, welcome. Thank you very much, Andy. Very pleased to be here as well. Oh, super stuff. Now, the, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm sure, Tim, you're going to explain uh, shortly, but you're, you're a head teacher in Hampshire. That's right. Um, and um, that's how uh, that's how we first met, But we have been, and we've been kept in professionally in touch ever since. Um, I suppose, really, if I, if I may, just dive straight in with my first question. Please Over do. to you. What's, what's your story? Who are you? How did you get to be head teacher of Cornerstone? Uh, well, it's certainly being a head teacher was absolutely never my plan. I never wanted to uh, to reach uh, this point, but uh, I'm really pleased that I did in the end. Uh, so I trained in Winchester. Um, originally, I'm from Jersey, so I came over to the mainland, as my mum still refers to it. Uh, studied in Winchester um, and ended up staying in sort of Hampshire, West Sussex area. Uh, did uh, five years at my first school mixed class junior school, uh, second school was also juniors, four for entry, uh, did 10 years there, started as a year leader, moved up to assistant head. Uh, then I had um, two and a half years, a three form entry primary where I was deputy. Uh, the interesting thing about that role for me was it was a non-class base role. So although I did a bit of cover and PPA when needed, actually part of that was about, do I actually want to leave the class uh, can I cope with not having a class? Um, and what I found was that actually you ended up having relationships with so many more children across the school and so many more staff um, that you had loads and loads of those positives. Um, I was also at this time through these uh, jobs trying to, I think, gain as much experience as possible, um, teaching leadership. Um, and I was definitely not in a rush uh, to get into headship, despite various people being encouraging um, and I think for me, as I think for a lot of heads, it's that that worry about taking on that final responsibility that literally everything lands on your desk. It's all on your head. Um, I was really lucky um, at this three form entry primary. Um, I was invited to do a, a two term secondment as an acting head at another local one form entry primary. My head was <laughs> was happy to uh, let me go, uh, which could be uh, interpreted in different ways um but because of that <laughs> i um i actually found that i thoroughly enjoyed so many aspects of it um and the, the worries that you have and the concerns about that uh having the ultimate responsibility um you sort of start to learn to live with it i think so yeah my first headship first proper headship i started in september 2014 uh i started uh, it's at cornerstone uh, church of england primary which is in White in Hampshire. The school actually only opened in September 13, um, and it opened that year with two classes and 27 children. So it had a year R class and a year one class. Uh, so when I joined, um, having never taught Key Stage 1 or year R, I was basically <laughs> in charge of a school that was essentially an infant school with 68 children, uh, three, three teachers, three LSAs, one person in the office, um, we're now up to seven classes. We've got 190 uh, children, uh, about 25 staff. And um, the interesting thing, I think, within the Cornerstone journey is that we are we are on a temporary site. Uh, the plan has always been to uh, for North Whiteley, 
to be built. So they're basically doubling the size of Whiteley and we're being built as a three or four entry in a brand new build uh, right in the middle of that. And we are due to move in September 2021. Um, over those next four years or five years or so, we will grow. So eventually we'll have over 650 pupils, uh, eventually sort of near 100 staff. Um, and so for me, when I first saw this uh, advert for this headship, I thought, wow, what, what an amazing opportunity to get in there while the school's still small, to grow the school, grow the values and the visions and the staff team and the way we do things. And, you know, how wonderful to have this opportunity, you know, as a head, rather than going, I'll start at a small school, then I'll move to another school. Actually, my role will change all this time. Um, so I saw lots of those positives when I applied for it. Um, clearly, it's been quite a... Um, challenging and stressful and all of those things and I'm sure that will continue uh, as we move but actually I wouldn't change this and having gone from really not wanting to be ahead um, I think one of the, the positives is that um, I still thoroughly enjoy my job which is great. Well that's absolutely brilliant and what a journey Tim. yeah I mean I think um, in amongst all that uh, to be able to um, to sit here now uh, and say, you know, you really enjoy your job. You recognise the difficulties. Um, it's it's fascinating. And also, it was interesting to, to pick up on what you said about capturing and taking with you through that journey all the positives of being a class teacher, uh, especially the relationships and things, and then bringing them with you and, and try, you know, and, and stretching them across as you, your responsibilities broaden. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the thing, as you... As you um, as what I found is that I've taken on those different leadership roles, whether you know, when I first took on the year leader role in a four form entry, the fact that you were working with you know, a team of colleagues, you were making decisions together as a, as a team, and you were hoping that those decisions and the actions that were following that would have a positive impact. But having an impact on 128 kids rather than just the 32 in your class, you know, gives you a real buzz. It makes you feel actually I'm having an impact. I'm doing something worthwhile. Um, and I think it's it's mm. that element which I think people outside of education sometimes struggle to see actually how rewarding how rewarding the job is. Mm. Okay, so in amongst all yeah. that, um, I've got a, a question which goes like this: What is your professional hedgehog? Now that sort of you may be familiar with this metaphor, but it's you know what's your one thing that you think you know. World class may be a bit strong. I don't know. I know you're, a bit, you're quite a humble chap, but but what what's your what's your what's your one thing that you'd nail to the mast if you were forced to in terms of how you do what you do? Um, well, I think it actually links back to what we were just talking about. Actually, for me, it's that those the, the growing and the nurturing of those relationships. Um, so I think it's not so much a, a professional attribute, but more of a, a personal attribute. It's a, it's a who you are as a being. Um, but I think. One of the things that I am good at is that element of building trust with people, helping them be motivated, um, helping them to be open to learning and to working together and me role modelling that. And this is whether it's people, staff, parents or governors. Um, you know, one of the reasons I love my job so much is I have an absolute, we've got an absolutely cracking team at Cornerstone, fabulous people, work really hard, keen to learn, have a really good sense of humour, have a good work-life balance and I think part of that comes through the way that we we all build those relationships and hope for the way I, I role model it. I mean, we've got a number of staff who are very keen to stay. Um, so one member of staff who had intended only to stay for two or three years before retiring 
uh, is now in their seventh year uh, with us. So um, hitting <laughs> off retirement is a good thing. Um, I've also had colleagues who I've worked with uh, previously at other schools who've wanted to come and, and join me. Um, and also we've got uh, staff who have encouraged their friends and in, ca- in, in one case actually encourage one of their members of their family to come and join our team. So I think... Oh, brilliant. You know, well, there's no, no stronger recommendation I, I think that. that's, you know, and I think it, it is hard to say you're world-class or something. I'm definitely not saying we're world-class at it. But again, I think it's one of those things that I think it's an element, a, a mix of being British and working in education is that we don't like to, unless we're in an interview, uh, blow our own trumpet. But I do think that's something that, mm. you know, I, I I think I do well. And I think, you know, you can see that in terms of the impact it has across the school community. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so um, what's uh, coming at it from a yep. different direction? Then here we are. Here we are, um, fellow head teachers, um, number of years in our uh, collective yep. career. Um, but what's the one thing you wish you'd known when you began? Um, I think. Uh, there's there's a number but I think for me one of the key ones as a teacher was I think when I look back at my NQT year my first few years of teaching I don't think I really really um, appreciated uh, the power and the impact of that ongoing verbal feedback in lessons um, about making the right comments at the right time helping the learners grow and develop and I think linked in with that um, and we are going back here to the 1990s Andy um, but you know, <laughs> I, I was very much in there. Well, this is my this group and this is my this group and this is my this group. And, and they shall stay like that throughout the year. And yes, maybe the child in the triangles group has done a really great job and I'll praise them up. But they're staying in triangles. They're not they're not moving to a different group. Um, so I think that that element of, you know, pigeonholing the children, putting them in those fixed groups, not using that feedback to really help them move on and flourish. You know, I, I think they did all make progress, but I think there will be some children who I could have helped make more progress if I'd been a bit more open-minded and a bit, little bit less uh, fixed mindset. Okay, interesting stuff. Okay, so uh, in that spirit, perhaps, what would you identify as, as your, it's a bit of an unfair phrase, but your biggest failure or something that went wrong and what did you learn from um, I'm going to share two, if that's all right. One as a teacher and one as a leader. Uh, the teacher one now, mm-hmm. yes, please. the yes, teacher please. one now is um, can be seen as quite amusing. It wasn't at the time. Um, it was uh, so. I think it was in my second year. Uh, we were taking my class of uh, mixed year three four and another colleague's class mixed year three four um, out on a, a local nature trip. But it was uh, the other colleague was an NQT. It was a coach journey, only about four or five miles, and then we were due to go for this walk up to a particular place, uh, meet one of the forest rangers they talk us through some things have a picnic up on the top of this hill and then walk back to the coach um and you know lovely day we're all having a really lovely time kids are really engaged enjoying what they're doing loads of lovely conversations uh we get up to the top of the hill a bit earlier than expected uh we finish the picnic much earlier than expected uh so we let them play a few games and stuff and then i said well actually do you know what i think rather than just going straight back down the way we've come which would be a bit dull there's another path here, which I think loops round. Um, and if we take that, I reckon it will add another 20 minutes or so. And we'll, you know, get back to the coach. But the kids will have seen something different. Uh, and bless my colleague who's an NQT went, yeah, yeah, it's fine. No problem. Um, so about 
five miles and two hours later, um, we got back late for the bus. Um, <laughs> this was in um, 1998. So none of us had a mobile phone. Um, we actually had to, uh, fortunately, we, we came across a farmer as we were walking past a field of bulls uh, uh, on his tractor. So he, uh, he went and uh, made a phone call for us from his farmhouse. But um, I don't remember at any point writing or reading a risk assessment um, and the number of children who were very tired, um, rather sunburned because it was sort of June, July. Um, yeah, it was uh, the, the type of thing that I might do if I was just out on my own for a walk. I decided was not best to do when you've got 60 kids uh, with you. So that that would be, I'd say, as a class teacher. Um, I think as a as a leader, um, I think, um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, and we always try and learn from um, things that don't go so well, things that, you know, where we have made mistakes, made failures. Um, and I think, again, for me, it comes back to that element of, uh, of relationships, those trusting professional relationships. And I think it comes down to recruitment. Um, I think we can probably all, uh, as heads, talk about, you know, a couple of recruitments we've made, uh, appointments we've made where we go, oh, that was just so brilliant. Oh, I got that so right, you know, look at me, didn't I do well on that? And, you know, this person, they've really added this and they've added that, isn't it fantastic? Uh, but obviously we've also got sometimes perhaps with recruitment where we go, yeah, did not get that one right. And actually that's caused a lot of hassle, um, a lot of aggravation, a lot of upset for different people. And actually perhaps it's taken a while to resolve that. And I think within that, you know, my natural, my natural way of leading is to give people time to settle in, to give them chances. Um, if they make mistakes, that's fine. Let's talk about that. Let's not make the same mistake again, but I'm not going to go in and um, give you a load of grief for that. Um, and also about not judging them too soon. And for the majority of staff that I've worked with, they've responded really well to that approach. And there's not been a need then to you know, come in particularly heavy. But obviously with one or two staff previously in my career and I'm talking about the range of schools now um you know there's been times yeah. where that's actually been unacceptable practice or unacceptable behaviors and in reflection I wish I had gone in clearer and firmer earlier um and not allowed not right. tried to do some more of the sort of coaching and more of the actually let's just have a conversation about this I needed to go in much earlier and go actually no that is not acceptable and yes, we'll explain why. And yes, I'm not judging you, but I do not want that happening in my school. So I think, you know, that's that's something I've definitely learned, both as an assistant head, a deputy head and a head is is trying to trying to get that right. Mm. Because as we all know, you know, in an interview, people can come across in a very different way uh, to the way that um, they then work. And again, you know, what we've done um, in all the schools I've worked at is we've you know, gone back and reviewed and, and adapted our recruitment processes to try and learn from uh, mistakes we've made. Well, it's a great insight, Tim. Thank you for that reflection. I think um, it will chime with a lot of colleagues. Unfortunately, um, yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, but, but ultimately, it, 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 as well, it, it highlights something that we're all mindful of, which is is that, you know, 
even the be- the most well-intentionally designed processes, such as for recruitment, can't don't are not no, you know, not infallible. And and again, it's uh, you know whether you're talking about staff or children or parents, you're always going to have a cross section um, of people. You're going to have that range, and and you just hope that most people fall within the sort of mid eighty percent, not the ten percent either end of of the range. Although again, a uh, a uh, head I used to work with had a, a lovely phrase. He said, um, everyone thinks there's only one normal person and they think that they're it um, and everybody else is abnormal in one way <laughs> or another. And again, I think it's also being um, being open to the fact that actually just because someone doesn't always think the same as you or wouldn't do things the same way as you, actually the way they do it um, might be better. So again, for me, one of my reflections as a class teacher, when I was an assistant head, a job shared with, uh, really lovely lady, uh, fabulous colleague, uh, really great person, really great teacher. Uh, but we did things in very, very different ways. Uh, but what was noticeable was that, you know, some of the children responded to her um, far better and got more learning uh, and made more progress and, and just blossomed more with her um, than they did with me. So, again, it's not about saying, you know, just because I think this, this is the right way to do it which again is why I think we need to give people time and space to grow and, and be themselves within their roles in schools. Uh, Cause that's how we'll help them feel the most motivated and also help them be the best they can for the children. Absolutely. I mean, there's no, no sharper radar in the world than a child's yeah, absolutely. BS radar, is there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've mentioned uh, some huge, huge, exciting positive things yeah. about schools and and one or two um uh, boulders um what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in education um, i think um the, the key thing i would say is do it um you know it, it it is tiring but it is incredibly rewarding um it's very complex uh you know in terms of you know intellectually emotionally socially all those things but it, it really is a, a wonderful job i mean again i'm coming to the end, I think now, 24th year in the profession um, and friends that I know who've never worked in education, the number of times, you know, when you've you met up um, and people say, oh, I really hate my job. I really need to change career. Um, I genuinely have never thought about changing career. It's not meaning that every day has been perfect and I've never had down moments. I think we all do. But actually, the, mm. the uh, working in schools, working with children, working with staff. So I think for me, it's about you get to be creative uh, you get to work with amazing to try and inspire uh, the people around you every day. Um, no day is ever the same. Um, one of the key things that I knew, I think, from you know teenage years was that I didn't want to go and work in an office and do the same thing every day, even though I'm now obviously based in an office. Uh, but I try and spend as much as my time out of it, or at least in conversations with people as possible. And I think the other thing is, you know, yeah. education is all about learning obviously that's what we're trying to do for the children but actually there's lots of opportunities for us to grow as professionals to, to develop to learn um and i think again the real positive now in 2020 is there are so many more diverse career routes um and opportunities than sort of 25 years ago where it was very linear it was you know be a teacher be a year leader be a deputy head be a head and you know that was it within schools. Mm. So I think, you know, there's there's so many more opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, the bottom line is that it's that making a 
making a genuine and potentially life-changing contribution to another human being. So, again, an example of that, um, which really sort of, um, yeah, had a real impact on me um, emotionally. I was doing some uh, work with a, a group of colleagues from other schools uh, about four years ago now, um, and we were going around and working uh, in each other's schools once each half term, and we met up at this uh, particular other school in Hampshire, and um, this young teacher came in at one point, uh, sort of smiled and sort of went, hello, Mr. Clark. And, uh, it, you know, it took me a while, but it was actually an ex-pupil who I'd taught sort of 15 years ago. Now, I'm definitely not saying that, oh, it was because of me that she was inspired to go and be a teacher. But um, I was pleased that I hadn't put her off. Um, and I, I chatted to her, her head afterwards and he was saying, you know, just what a positive, enthusiastic, motivated, hardworking, fabulous teacher she was. And again, you just sort of think, you know, there's there's adults out there doing all sorts of amazing things because of schools, whoever that's with. Um, and that's why I think, you know, it is uh, it is definitely a job and a career worth pursuing. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. I, tell, I, I think... If there's, if there's anyone listening, contemplating it, they dive, they, they're going to dive straight in for certain. I can't see any other, any other conclusion yeah, and I think, at the moment, that's for sure. I think, sorry, Andy, um, with that, okay. I think also it's important because, um, you know, I think it is important that we talk up the profession. Um, and again, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people mm. who sometimes online on Twitter is, is moaning about perhaps DFE or Ofsted or oh, this is ridiculous and that's ridiculous. So I think it's really important that we do make sure that we talk up the positives of this it's amazing career yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so along that journey we've been, and that's um yeah, really the whole fulcrum of, of of this chat i suppose what are the best resources that have helped you along the way tim what two or three um, things have made i think uh, for me uh, it's it's colleagues uh whether that's within school or or externally um and i think definitely for me the last six years uh, being online, being uh, Twitter is the, is my preferred choice in terms of uh, online networking. Um, and it's opened so many doors, started so many conversations, made so many connections with people, um, got me to look at and read and be involved with so many different bits of research and blogs. You know, all of that professional learning. I think my first year in Twitter uh, on Twitter, I probably learned more in that first year than I'd worked learned in the previous ten years offline. So I think um, you know it's 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 the people around you, whether that's you know in person or, or online. I think that's fabulous. But I also think you know technology, you know, linked with that has has hugely transformed teaching and learning, um, as well as my um, school leadership um, and how we organise and manage and run the school. Uh, again, going back to previous century. Um, and it does feel like it. You know, when I started teaching in 1996, I had an old BBC B in the corner of my classroom, mainly gathering dust. Um, and I think I had three floppy disks uh, with a few programs on it. But if the kids weren't at the level um, or the stage of their learning journey that where they needed those, well, yeah, tough kids, you, you don't get any IT this year. Um, and you look at where it's gone now. And mm. um, I mean, you look again at the where we are at the moment with schools being closed the amount of stuff that uh, teachers across the country, across the world are doing and using technology to, to stay in contact, to help learn, to communicate with parents, um, just fabulous. And again, you know, in terms of 
professional learning. We're, we're, I'm going to do a plug here for Microsoft and Microsoft Teams. We're doing a, a big push uh, of, of using that. We only started middle of February, but that was really good timing given what's happened. Uh, but Henry Penfold, yeah, a year absolutely. six teacher, he's um, got his year six class set up as a team. So they're doing all their online learning through that. He's able to do online lessons. Um, and I think there's just uh, so many opportunities to use that to make connections. And I think, you know, for the children in our schools now, that's going to be, you know, yeah, it's not even like this part. It is just an automatic part of the life. My youngest daughter's uh, 10. She's in year six. And for her, technology is just seamlessly integrated into everything that she does, whether she's you know, physically in school or now, mm. you know, learning from home. And, and nothing phases yeah. her, nothing frightens her. And she's making all these different connections. She's doing all these amazing things, being really creative, collaborating all over the place. So I think, yeah, I think uh, colleagues, Twitter and technology, those are the three biggies for me. Brilliant stuff. Okay. Uh, you talked about yeah. colleagues. I'm going to pin you down now. What are, and it doesn't have to be colleagues either. So who, who knows? But who are the three? Just three? Not more, not less. Well, maybe less. Three most influential people on you. In uh, your yeah, this is a tough one. It would definitely would be more than three. And I could probably talk for the whole hour about this, but um, I have picked. I have picked three, and I have picked three <laughs> colleagues, um, previous colleagues. So don't want to okay. upset anyone in my pre in my current school, but I decided to steer clear of that because I didn't want to uh, single anyone out. Um, so the first colleague <laughs> was uh, a colleague I worked with. Um, at um, the fourth elementary junior school, uh, Horndean in Hampshire. Uh, this colleague was just uh, just the epitome of being an inspiring and highly effective teacher. She's amazing at motivating people. She's amazing at harnessing teams together. She works incredibly hard. She's so creative. Um, we ended up becoming assistant heads together. So not only did I learn from her from a teaching point of view, but working alongside her as an assistant head was hugely beneficial. Um, you know, her creative element. So we used to every two years, um, she used to lead a sort of 100 plus pupil cast um, doing a, a full musical down at a professional theatre um, budget of like 20,000, um, you know, full score, two hour long show, you know, professional sets, everything. And it was just only she could have convinced everybody to do that and only she could be that organized that creative and um but yeah just uh, just amazing and it um it was quite hard leaving uh, and not carrying on working with her uh second colleague um is uh a previous head teacher i worked at in fact the other two are both the head teachers that i work with at the um three form entry primary uh berrywood in hampshire um, so the first was the uh, first head teacher I worked with um, just as a person, incredibly generous, incredibly caring, in, in, immensely organized as a head teacher, um, you know, worked alongside the staff, was highly respected by them. Um, he was able to see and appreciate others' perspectives. Um, one of the things that is really uh, quite tragic um, is that he'd, he'd had cancer. He'd recovered from it. Uh, when I joined the school, he was coming back from that. Um, but he made a decision, I think a year and a half after I'd been there, he was going to retire early due to those previous health issues. Uh, you know, he wanted to make sure that, you know, he had some time 
uh, to do the things that he wanted to do and him and his wife relocated up north uh, but really tragically, he um, he actually passed away six months within six months of retiring. Um, so I think for me, that's you know he's had an amazing impact because I, I can see what he did and how he worked with people and you know a number of things that I do as a head teacher are linked with that and the impact he has on others. But I think also you know key thing is we mustn't forget to take care of ourselves um, and you know spend quality time with our family and also I think not burn ourselves out you know again technology is a wonderful thing but there, there is a sense almost that you can be you know on call 24 7 and you know people can get hold of you 24 7 and i think it's really important that um you know in the current situation we're in you know the whole sense of having some sort of routine to your days and weeks has to a certain extent gone out the window but we have got to look after ourselves we have got to make sure as well as thinking of others that we do look after our own health and our mental health. So um, he was, he was the second person for me. Um, and the third one uh, was my, the last head teacher I had the absolute privilege and honor of working with uh, very different in many ways to the, uh, the first head at Berrywood, but um, this, this head, you know, highly intelligent, um, a real deep thinker, strategic thinker, but absolutely morally so fully focused on the children getting the best um, and the broadest and most meaningful curriculum and absolutely refusing to let anything get in the way of that. Um, you know, I think for me, there was an element where I'd sort of got in the habit, I think a bit too much of way of thinking of just going, oh, well, you know, the data says this and the data says that we've got to do this because of the data. Um, and this had really got me to question that. Um, and actually, to, you know, the phrase, I think, you know, helped me reignite my mojo for, for, for teaching and being in schools because uh, he reminded me that test data should not be the key driver for anything we do. Um, he was um, really he's really creative um, and he, he sort of encourages people to be creative and critical thinkers, both as leaders and teachers. Um, talks about how crucial that is, role models that. Um, so, again, that that idea of lifelong learning of us being thinkers who learn and develop. Um, and he's incredibly visionary in terms of thinking outside the box, whether it's in terms of um, developing the building and the grounds, whether it's uh, staffing structures, leadership structures or pedagogical approaches, always thinking outside the box, always trying to find something new, be it the cutting edge. Um, and I think the other thing that he had was just the importance of having those consistent high expectations of himself and indeed the whole staff team. So, you know, I think, it was hard to pick three. Um, I could have spoken about a lot more, but I think, again, it goes back to that. When you asked about, you know, the most useful resource, I've learned more from working alongside these uh, amazing colleagues and others than I have, you know, I think anybody, any, any other way of learning. So. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so, um, those people, the things you've learned from them, your own journey and yeah. uh, your uh, and your reflections. What's one common myth about education that you want to take? Uh, I think for me, debunk? it's that one about, um, you know, there's a, a right way of running a school or there's a right way of being a teacher, a right way of teaching a lesson. Um, and I think, you know, there's that there's still that view, perhaps centrally, that actually if only all schools, these these top few performing schools, these excellent schools, if only all schools could just be run and taught the same way as it's being done there, then everything would be fine. 
Um, and, you know, that we all know that's just not the case because you're dealing with so many variables. You're dealing with, you know, human beings. You're dealing with people. Um, so I think um, everything will work somewhere and some of the time, some of the people. And I think, again, if we aim too much for this sort of tight consistency being replicated, even across a whole school, I think what you don't get is you don't get the as effective teaching and learning as you could in every class because people are will feel like well i've got to i can't do this and i can't do that. i've got to stay with inside this box so you know mm -hmm. one of the things and again the exciting thing you know mm -hmm. at cornerstone when i joined you know we'd only been open three terms you know we still had over half the policies to write um you know within that there was a very sort of um first draft of a teaching and learning policy so we actually spent a lot of time developing that over two three four years as staff um, and one of the things that has come through that is we've got a set of what we call agreed foundations um, that once we say, yeah, we recognise that these are the type of things that would mean that actually there's good teaching and learning going on on a regular basis. It's not to say they've got to be in every lesson, but mm -hmm. we're just saying these are foundations and then actually yep. saying staff, but you've got the professional freedom and the flexibility to build upon those in the ways that are right for your class and right for the stage out they're learning and using your skills and strengths that you've got as a professional. Um, and I think that's where getting that balance, because it's not about just saying, yeah, everyone do whatever you want, but having sufficient um, and agreed foundations, but that, that professional freedom opportunity to, to build and risk take and innovate on top of that, I think is really important. No problem. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so if, um, Tim, if you were uh, asking the questions, what would you have asked yourself? Yeah, that that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. That's a, I could almost say that's lazy of you, Andy, getting us to uh, set your questions for the next lot. But um, I, I, think, um, I think for me, it's about, <laughs> you know, um, again, I think one of the issues um, with education being so linked with uh, politics is that, too often we think about education in terms of short term and if we're talking about you know children growing and developing through and we're talking about you know growing to adulthood and how they become you know grow as people i think a lot of it is about legacy a lot of it is about that long-term sort of investment how are we investing our time and our skills and all the rest of it so if i had been yeah i would have maybe asked what legacy would you like to leave to your own school and to the education profession as a whole. Um, my answers to that, because <laughs> I've obviously got them prepared. I mean, obviously, if you want to have a go at answering them as well, Andy, please feel free. But for me, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I thought on. you might let Dive me go in. first. Go, go uh, you, go in in our school, uh, Cornerstone, we talk about um, we've got our, our values of uh, building our community on love, forgiveness and hope. Um, so we're talking about who we are as people, but we've also got this vision of growing an inspirational learning community. Um, and it's not just about, you know, us trying to inspire the children. It's us mm -hmm. inspiring each other. It's more often than not the children inspiring us and each other. Um, and so the legacy I would like to leave is that when I do leave Cornerstone, that actually that that vision of an inspirational learning community continues, that the, the daily thoughts and actions and interactions. And, and for us as a school, we define it as um, igniting a love of learning. So we're really setting fire to it, something we're passionate about, not just what I've mm -hmm. got to do it, um, to develop empowering and encouraging partnerships. So, again, if you're going to leave a legacy, you need to make sure that people are partners, need to make sure they are empowered. Um, and that idea of nurturing a growth mindset. And it is that idea of things growing 
and it is about it being organic. It's not about something that's just a set of numbers on a spreadsheet. Um, it's about people. So that's for me for the school. I think, you know, in terms of the profession, what I'd really like is um, that we see and we value a balance between all the elements of uh, child development. Um, so whether we're talking personal, social, emotional, academic, physical development, you know, all of those are equally important. And again, I think, you know, one of the things that is coming out of our current situation is that people are realising, you know, for example, we're not doing year six, six sets. Does that mean that our children in year six are not going to be as well prepared for the next stage? They're not going to be ready to carry on their learning journey. Well, actually, in some ways, you could argue, actually, they almost might be better prepared because they've had more time to sort of stop and think and build the relationships yeah. with the family and do some online stuff, which is what they'll be doing secondary. I don't think not sitting mm. there for those few mm. hours and doing those formal tests is in any way going to disadvantage them. Um, and again, it's not to say the academic learning isn't important. You know, my wife's a secondary school teacher. Um, so, you know. I fully get from secondary schools the point of view of, you know, these children come up and they can't read, they can't write, they can't do maths. You know, this is a real struggle then to access the, the key stage three curriculum. So, you know, and again, you see examples of, of adults who perhaps struggle with their literacy and numeracy. So the academic is important. Of course it is because it gives people choices and chances. But actually, if they don't develop as a person, if they don't develop the social skills, they don't develop sort of the emotional uh you know intelligence and awareness and resilience um then actually are they going to grow into happy confident caring well-adjusted people who can take those choices and take those chances and use their academic education in ways to you know support them and and to do good for the the people they love around them and for the world so for me it's about um i think also within that is too much too much of the way education is at the moment is set up and this is you know, clearly based not from schools but you know it's to set up schools being competitive against each other you know trying to make sure that oh if if there's not enough children in the area that parents want mm. us, them children to come to our school that you know our tests our lead tables we got an outstanding foster all of that um really is nonsense because i think it puts us back as a profession and actually you know we've got a chance i think as a profession to say look you know, yes, we want to we want to do well. We want to do well for our kids, but actually we want to do well for all the kids and all the schools. This is not about it being collaborative. If we as professionals are sharing and working together. And again, at the moment, you know, so many people are being so generous online, sharing so much useful information. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, and again, I think, you know, what I've seen on Twitter over the last six years has been that professional generosity. And, you know, if there could be a legacy for the education profession, it would mm. be that actually it's collaborative and not competitive, that actually we, if, if we can all do our best and we can share that best across the profession, then actually we all raise up. It's not about we can only value ourselves because other people mm. are below us. And I think, you know, that's that's a really important mindset for the kids to pick up as well. Um, so, yeah, that would be it for me. Very welcome. Great stuff. Thank you so much. I, 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 I'm. I, that's wonderful stuff. I, I think. Um, yeah. What they, what the people would seek yeah. to write on your on your on your tombstone is is something that if leaders aren't thinking about that, no. Um, not all the time, obviously, 
but but if if they're not dwelt on that, it's something that they yeah. certainly should. I think I'm I'm with you all the way there, Tim. Yep. Absolutely. Now um, we're going to the end. Um, where can where well, Tim? Uh, where can, so um, where can I've connect with obviously you mentioned Twitter a few times. So um, on Twitter, I'm at Tim underscore Jump Clark. Clark with an E on the end. I always used to tell my classes I had to pay £50 extra for it, so don't forget it. Um, and uh, I've had a number of colleagues who genuinely think my middle name is Jump, uh, but it's not. It's my wife's maiden name. Um, I do blog, um, <laughs> and I try and keep a bit of consistency here. So I've got um, timjumpclark.wordpress.com is my blog. Apologies for the phone going off in the background. Um, I'm also happy if people want to um, <laughs> contact me uh, by email. So I'm t.clark at cornerstoneprimary.hance.sch.uk. And I should also say that on Twitter, um, I uh, run the at SLT Twitter handle where we just try and share loads of stuff nationally um, coming out. Grim. Oh, brilliant stuff. Thank you so yep. much. Okay, so yep. uh, final question. It's a three-parter. It's a three-parter, what I like to call uh, the, yep. the, the secret source. So, Tim, Tim, Tim Clark's secret source, what do you do every day, every week, <sighs> well, and every Well, tricky term? ones, again, um, which is good. I think the key thing for me every day is it's about – I keep mentioning about the relationships, so I think – maintaining and nurturing those so the key thing for me every day is that I will make sure that I touch base and say hello to every member of staff it doesn't matter what their role I will make sure that at some point in the day I'll go and say hello I'll check how they are even if it's just a five second as I'm passing conversation I'll make sure that they see me um, I'll make sure I call them by name I also aim either in the morning or at the end of the school day to be out on the playground so again that children come up and share stuff with me on but also parents i'm there and making sure they know that they can um, come and approach me and ask me anything so that's that's for me the every day um every week is i think linked with that so um in yep. terms of with the children i try and make sure every week that i spend some time with every class when they're learning which may be in the classroom it may be in the hall it may be outside but mm -hmm. i want to be there i want to show them that i value what they're doing i'm interested in what they're thinking what they're learning and i want to go and have conversations it's not about it being uh you know every week is a learning week it's actually almost ignoring what the teachers do most of the time and to be fair the teachers are really good because they're used to it and they generally ignore me um, but it's just having those conversations with the children um and also i think it's important <laughs> you know spend some of the time out in the playgrounds either at playtime or lunchtime um that's one i sometimes struggle with depending on how many meetings and how well things are going. Okay. But again, I think it's important okay. just to be out there, to be, um, you know, the face. Sometimes it's just about, you know, supporting colleagues if they're dealing with some of the issues that are out there. Uh, but it's also about, you know, talking to the children, you know, maybe start a few games with a few groups, um, having a chat with some of the the lunchtime team so that, again, they know that I'm, I'm interested in what they're doing and um, supporting mm -hmm. them. Um, so that's... Both of those, I think, very much around the relationship side. Okay. I think for me, every term, this is where probably more of the strategic stuff. So um, and there is a long list, I'm afraid, here, Andy. So we, we sort of look at planning the um, strategic development plan actions for each half term as an SLT. We'll consider any uh, future ideas okay. for strategic development um, and when and how we might bring them in. 
we'll look at um, different things we've done in terms of monitoring and conversations we've had so that we keep updating our self-evaluation as a school so we know where we're at. Um, and I do that with the school leadership team, but also the full governing body, um, having conversations uh, with the children about their learning and looking at their books. That's something we make sure we do every term. Uh, we're looking at the outcomes, not just data, but books um, and looking at those and where we're seeing best practice and how can we learn from each other. Um, one of the actually lovely things that we do, um, or I'm, I'm quite proud of that we do, is um, so this idea of inspirational um, learning community, inspirational cornerstone. We, we created a whole set of um, definitions for that, for like teaching and learning, leadership, curriculum, assessment, outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what we usually do is each half term we have a focus and I okay. say to the staff right this half term can you capture can everyone capture three or four examples of where they've seen an element of this working really well and then at the end of the half term we end up with this really lovely document of about mm. you know three four pages long with all these great things and then we whack it up on the staff and say look we really need to celebrate look at all the amazing things that are going on in our school um, and what's great about that for me is it does, you know, obviously mm. it provides a really good um, evidence source um, for when you're asked for it. But what it also does is it, it gets people thinking ahead of where they're at. So they're, they're learning from each other. They're looking at examples. They're also giving themselves sometimes a pat on the back and going, Do you know, what? actually, I did that really well. Kids yeah. really got that. Or that was a really, had a really good impact. Um, we also, sorry, just finishing okay. my list. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, other, the other thing we on, do is, um, you know, in terms no, of coaching staff, on, so whether it's, it's teaching and support staff. And again, um, one of the things or some of the ways we do that, it might be with a particular subject leader. For new colleagues coming in, they have a, a half day every half term with the curriculum leader looking at their, their foundation curriculum for the coming half term. Uh, but what we've also started doing in the last year and a half is these um, professional development learning walks. So myself, myself or Fran, who's our senior leader, uh, we'll right, pair okay. up with a teacher, we'll look at our Teaching for Learning Foundations and we'll say to the teacher, actually, you know, what would you like to go and look for evidence of that's going really well in the school? Pick one or two of these things so it's their choice. And then we go on a learning walk. But actually, mm -hmm. it's about ourselves and the colleague looking for the positives, looking for the qualities, looking for the successes and then being able to have that in time conversation about, well, you know, how could you use that in your class? What tweaks could you make? And it's not about making whole scale changes. What little tweaks, what little things could you do that you think might help improve your practice? Um, so it's those type of things. It's planning CPD opportunities, um, but it's also obviously some of the more less interesting stuff, reviewing the policies, reviewing the website, looking at all the data, subject leader action plans, all of those yeah, type of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is much more of that strategic long-term thinking i think <laughs> kind of like um i suppose if i was to seek to sum that rather extensive list up uh, uh, you you um i suppose if it was one yeah. thing you're really talking about looking forward um and then maybe also yeah and i think it, it is important that we take that too. time to reflect on the experiences reflect on where we are and to try and think ahead because otherwise we don't learn from mistakes we've made and actually we don't end up uh, improving and moving forward. And it's, it's not to say that what we're doing now is a bad job. Um, you know, it's that Dylan William quote, isn't it about, you know, 
professional development, I can't remember it exactly, but it's not there because all teachers are, are rubbish and they need fixing, actually. It's just that, yeah, teachers are great. But you know what? If we keep learning mm. term by term, year by year, we can get even better. Um, otherwise, I would still be I would still be not using feedback and lessons and having children yeah. in three fixed groups for the whole year if I hadn't sort of stopped and thought that wasn't a great idea. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I thought I nearly heard you stumble on a great phrase there, Tim, which was teachers are great. Yeah. We just, you know, we just love them to keep yeah. trying to get greater. Well, thank you for listening, Andy. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, no, it's been an absolute privilege to to have a listen to uh, to the details of your journey, what you think is important in schools, um, and and how passionate you are about learning. So, Tim, thank you so much. And people, I mean, I think we know colleagues will recognise that that, it's a it is a people profession. but to hit, but to hear someone's passion for that and for learning. You're very welcome, Andy. Uh, Appreciate being invited. To, uh, so thank to you so you. much. And yourself, Andy, and all of your family and team. All the best, Tim. Take care. Thank and, you. Uh, Bye. Stay safe. Thanks a lot.